Hello, and you're very welcome to The Week That Really Was with John McGurk and Sarah Ryan. It is the 14th of September, 2023. The weather, bad weather, has returned with a vengeance. Thank goodness, finally, we can sleep in our beds at night. Um, Sarah, how was your week? Good, yes. That's, no, I, I'm, I like autumn. It's my favourite. I don't mind the weather changing at all. I didn't find it that hot like everyone else, but I'm kind of a cold person at the best of times. But bit of rain. I love mm. it. Um, yeah, me too. Much, much prefer cooler weather than when it's too roasting. I mean, we never get, no one ever gives you the ideal weather, which is sort of 20 degrees with a light breeze and nice fluffy clouds in the sky. That's just for some reason, that's unobtainable in Ireland. I don't know why that is. Anyway, I want to start the show with a comment that we received last week. Um, because people have been pointing out that we don't read comments enough, especially when they're critical. And we got a stinker last week. This guy, Sean McGabriel, he says, can I just say, Sarah, I wish you would both not, A, talk about Dublin as though we all live there. We don't. I mean, I guess that's directed at you, right? Because I live in Tipperary and I certainly don't talk about Dublin like we all live there. But it is the capital city. Most of the population live there. And it's, uh, it's sort of newsworthy and has been newsworthy in recent months because of all the crime. But before we answer that, Sarah, I'm going to go on to point B, which is he wants us not always to be so completely safe and reasonable. Quote, there's a resignation in your complacent and whimsical musings on the craziness of Ireland in 2023, which I find dispiriting. I'm not looking for irrational rants, but I do think there are many things which merit a bit more than bemusement, lighthearted world weariness. There you are, mate. <laughs> That's what you are. Fair. I think... I think these are both fair comments and I think they're both more directed at me than you because A, you don't think it, you're not from Dublin or living in Dublin so that's obviously me but also the amusement and lighthearted world weariness should be the title of my autobiography for, for, for the last year at least in, our, in, in Ireland so fair point Sean, I will take that on the chin. Well, I want to start this week because uh, we look back on the week that really was. It's in the title of the podcast. Let's start with something that warrants a bit more than bemusement and world weariness, I think, which is um, I described Paul Murphy's actions earlier on this week as the lowest thing I had ever seen from a public representative. And that mm. is um, Paul Murphy TD basically outed a school child because he disagreed with a piece written by the school child's mother, the journalist, Barbara McCarthy. Um, the background to this, I'm, I'm just giving this for listeners who might be, not be aware of the story, is that Barbara McCarthy had written a piece uh, last week for, I believe, the Irish Mirror, which she writes for. She also, full disclosure, used to write for Grip. She doesn't anymore. Although we, if she ever wants to send us in a piece, we take it, but she doesn't, as a full-time writer, write for us anymore. She's with the Irish Mirror. Um, she wrote a piece revealing, basically, that there's a teacher in a, in a Dublin... Educate Together School, who has been, the class have been instructed to use they, them pronouns for this teacher. You know, what age the kids are, we don't know, but the, the kids have been told to, to not refer to this teacher as a he or she, but as a they or a them. And then Paul Murphy basically purporting to out her source and say she was, she was writing this based on information from her kid, publicly identified that her kid is in the school in question or claims that the kid is there. But that is the most outrageous thing I've ever seen from an Irish TV. Or am I wrong? No, you're absolutely right. And I I was watching it on Twitter and, you know, it was obvious that really outraged and really thought this was pr- like beyond the beyond. 
and it was he it's deleted now but it wasn't deleted for a couple of days and I just think that like the pearl clutching that would go on if this was you know done in the reverse or about anybody who's on the right side of everything in Ireland these days their child like surely to God at this you know there's an agreement that kids and people's kids are just simply off the table or off limits and you know obviously you know, if you're not on the right side of this ideology, your kids are fair game. And that just shows the hypocrisy of people like Paul Murphy. Once again, like the lowest of the low people's kids. <sighs> but like, are you surprised? No, I'm not surprised. I'm also not surprised the tweet. Well, obviously, you, you say it got huge negative backlash. It also got like 900 or something likes from people who thought this was acceptable behavior. Like, and there's a there's a sense out there. I mean, I, I've got a good friend. I know he sometimes listens to this podcast, and I, I won't, I won't name him because he, he, he obviously has a job, and I don't want to name people. But he, he, he made a point last week about this, where he said that all this hypocrisy when it comes to this and the be kind stuff. And I mean, we saw what happened with Roisin Murphy a couple of weeks ago. People preaching about be kind are also out there mm. trying to lynch Roisin Murphy. He said the hypocrisy is the point. They know they're being hypocritical, and they don't give a flying f about being hypocritical because it is about it's about showing you that they have the power to ignore their own rules um, and they're never but, held to account like there's no there's accountability for Roisin Murphy there's accountability for, for people who say the wrong thing but if you're on the right side of this in their mind you can say whatever you like and there's no accountability like he's quietly deleted the tweet fine but like that's it if this was someone else who was saying something about, you know, the child of someone who was, you know, let's say a child well, I, activist or something. Can you imagine the equivalent if it was, say, Ronan Mullen or Sharon Keoghan talking mm. about a child of Kitty Holland? Kitty Holland, obviously a, a fairly well-known and liberal journalist with the Irish Times. And obviously that didn't yeah. happen and no one should ever do it. But imagine if that was the case. They, they, they would be in front of the Parliamentary Standards Committee. There would be... I mean, hypocrisy stories, one of the reasons we sound world-weary, Sean, who sent in that comment, is because there's almost no point talking about them. Because you just get angry and angrier, angrier and angrier and angrier, and, and you're powerless to do anything about it. Um, and that's the point. And that's what my, my friend who listens to us said, and I thought it was a really astute comment. I mean, they rub it in your face, and they do it consciously, and then they pretend they're the great and the good. I mean, and, and also really it's it, it's it's deflecting from the issue, like you know, it's just a small issue as well, which I have an issue with also, which is that pupils age eight at eight and nine years of age, like my son is turning seven in a couple of weeks, so a year from now, being told to use different pronouns for a teacher, no, like what is this nonsense now? Why is this about? Why is this ideology about the, the teacher's preferred pronouns are now a class issue? No. I think that's absurd. And just, it's like they're children. You know what I mean? Why does this have to come on to the, the agenda at all? I Like, mm -hmm. that's the issue. And it's sort of like, there's something, it's almost like worse, if you think about it, that a journalist has the balls to come out and write this story and then somebody like Paul Murphy who's a, an elected representative has the summons all of the audacity in his body to tweet that tweet about her child being in the class and a there's no accountability to it but it's also like 
This is what you get when you dare, when you dare to question the new world order around here. We will out your kid. So the next mm-hmm. journalist who sits down and might have the neck to talk about, uh, you know, uh, or might have the neck to talk about something like their child is being taught in school or some absurd new thing that they're being expected to say or do as part of their education. They might think twice because their children might get out of it too. It's 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 not just the the issue of, you know, that he's not being held to account, but it's the fact that it's more of this kind of bullying people into you better agree with us. And even if you don't agree with us, you by God, you better stay silent about it, because if you don't, you will either lose your job or if we can't do that, we will come for your kid on Twitter or we'll do, you know, or we'll all, you know, the, the swarm will just annihilate you online. We'll, we know of people who've had their jobs approached, who've had different things done to them. We'll put your address online. We'll do this. We'll do that. This is the this is the kind of standard behavior now. And oh. that's the scariest thing of all. This is a journalist, a legitimate journalist writing an article and her child is being exposed because she's had the audacity to do it. Like that's really, you know, that's that's something I'm not whimsically kind of, you know, just accepting uh, about. That's something that makes me extremely angry and extremely concerned. And you know what? It's once again one of those things, John, that I guarantee you in 10 or 15 years time, you'll be sitting around with people at dinner parties and they'll all say, oh, no, I didn't agree with any of that at the time. Yes, you did. Yes, don't, get me, don't get me started on them whores. They're worse. The people who are worse yeah. here are not. Like, I expect that kind of scumbaggery from, from Murphy and his ilk. But they're not actually the real villains. Because the, we're talking about this. Now, I am not a customary listener to the Irish Times Politics Podcast, but I can guarantee you this wasn't referenced on it. I can guarantee yeah. you it wasn't on the Indo-Daily. I, I, I know, because I looked for coverage, that there was basically no coverage in any newspaper. Um, like you, you, there, there are the, there's what you might call the dirtbag left, um, Paul Murphy and his gang. But then <laughs> there are, then there's the respectable, the respectable people, the, uh, mm-hmm. the, the political correspondents, the great and the good, the people who will be out in an instant to condemn um, the aforementioned Ronan Mullen or Sharon Kyogan and say how terrible and shocking it was and how Irish discourse has really taken a turn for the worse and how you know this kind of extremism in politics is just completely unwelcome and uh, terrible, shocking stuff, if it's the right person. But when it is the dirtbag left, they shut up because they know what side their bread is buttered on. And mm-hmm. they're quite content to have the brown shirts, for want of a better ter- term, out there beating people up so long as they're not personally associated with it. And that, that is mm-hmm. absolutely, and I, I would call them out. I mean, I, all, all, all of them, the Virgin Media political correspondents, three people who I have a lot of time for personally, they do their, their podcast every week. They talk politely mm-hmm. about the issues of the nation. That's a, this doesn't merit their attention. Oh, no, we turn a blind eye to that. I mean, insert, insert any political correspondent covering the doll, and you get the same, same reaction. The blind eye is turned when it is when 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 the unpleasantness is in the greater good, and that's and that's basically the attitude to this stuff. The unple- and you'll but see that's the same not journalism. Like the, like that's not journalism. Like we have the the the, the that's just uh, something else entirely. Because you know that's not your job as a political correspondent. Your job as a political correspondent is to call it out, whether it, you like it or not. Not. Mm-hmm. 
to, you know, only call it out when it suits you and suits your agenda and suits what you think is the greater good. And, you know, that that that's why there's not that, that's why there's only certain people that are, in my opinion, legitimately deserving of the word journalist. If you're sitting around going, oh, yeah, Michal, come and sign my book and let's go to this and let's go to that. We're all pals and you don't call out anything, but you call it out if it's someone that you and your gang of mates don't like. That's not a journalist. Yeah, and there's a lot of that about. There's a lot of that about. Um, I mean, you'll see it again this weekend, right? Because the Kelly Jane Keane, uh, aka Posey Parker, is holding out an event in Dublin. Um, she mm. is somebody who who she's a UK activist. She's gl- a global activist, really, on the whole issue of the gender debate. She's holding this protest. Um, uh, lo- various luminaries in the country, like Alva Smith, who was recently awarded the Queen of Dublin, have been organising a counter protest go along and protest that event. Now, there's a neat trick. <sighs> there's, a, there's a neat trick. I, I don't know, and I hope, oh, we should all hope that there isn't any violence. But watch the neat trick that will happen if there is. Because the left have a, 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 an answer to uh, violence that breaks out of protests either way. If, they start, if the violence starts and the left emerges supreme, then it's a triumphant day in which the fascists have been driven off the streets. Um, and if the violence starts and the left does not emerge triumphant and comes off second best, then it is it is evidence of the violence and terrorism of the far right beating innocent people off the streets and attacking women and minorities. And you can't win. So they have a complete free pass. And I'm not suggesting that Alva Smith in any way was encouraging there to be any aggro this weekend. But if there is aggro at that event, independently of her or anyone else who called for it to be organized, then there would be a complete free pass given because you can't lose. And the, the narrative is set before the event even happens. It is it is it's set up in such a way that you, you basically you get a free pass to do what you want. Um, and we, we you, you see that with going back to COVID, where there was a pro, you know, where we were all supposed to be indoors unless you were in the approved gang and wanted to have a protest about a police shooting in America. I mean, it, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely insane. I forgot um, about that. This, do you find? Do you not find that there's loads of things that happen during that co- period where you forget that you forget about? You do. I don't know what. Do. I don't know what the phenomenon of it is. Like it's you know it's not like a trauma thing, but like there was just there was just a lot you know, and then sometimes I will suddenly remember something quite mental that I was part you know like that I was forced to do in some way. Tony Holohan personally policing Dame Street. That was a good one. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, something like like I remember I was laughing talking to somebody the other day because um during the first lockdown, I think it was anyway. My at the time three year old, I was cleaning up, and my at the time three year old sprayed my one year old in the face with flash, uh, lemon counter spray or whatever. Anyway, yeah, he had to. He was just trying to clean the child. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and uh, the poor little guy had to go into Temple Street and get his eyes rinsed out because it caused a kind of an abrasion on his eye. Anyway, so I drove like down the Malahide Road. But it's a long story. But we we didn't realize what had happened until a few hours later, and uh, so it was kind of bedtime by the time I rang my sister, and she was like, "You have to bring him in." Because I said, oh, there's a small chance that he got sprayed in the face because I'd smelt it and the three and a half year old or whatever he was, was cute enough to have put it away. And I just smelt it in the air and noticed that the top of 
the, of Connor's head was a bit wet. And I thought, that's weird. And then later I remembered and said to her, well, there's a small chance that he would have been sprayed in the face because he was crying and his eyes were red. And she said, oh, you have to bring him in. Anyway, I drove down the Malahide Road at about, I'd say it was probably at this rate, half eight at night or nine o'clock. It was dark. And uh, I had a car on the road, like nobody, you know, nothing like full like lockdown or whatever and then I got into like kind of Mountjoy Square and you know the way there's like a block of flats just coming on to Mountjoy mm-hmm. Square or whatever and it was kicking <laughs> like it was kicking they were having a full-on party like a full-on party people out the road like full-on party and I remember being like God, that's pretty wild now and um you could have got some back, traction you got have some traction at the time if you'd videoed that and put it on Twitter at the time. Can you imagine know, all yeah. that? Yeah, that would have been. I know. I don't 10, live 10, for 000, likes, luckily. Yeah, 10,000 um, likes easily. But I was stopped on the way back, asked where I was going. Um, by now, it's probably one o'clock in the morning. I have a child in the back. And I was like, I'm just coming from Temple Street. And he was like, yeah, grand, whatever. But like, I was stopped on the way home. But I'd driven past this party earlier. And I felt like saying to the guard, like, here, uh, do you want to head back in there to um, <laughs> and just turn up and have a look at what, like, me and my one-year-old are not the problem. But um, anyway, I just sometimes, like, things were just random little nuggets of kind of madness will just pop back into your head. I don't know. It's like a year of your life that you lost and you forget half of it, but it the, was, the, it my, was my, mad. My favourite thing about the George Floyd protests during lockdown was the medical experts who came out uh, presumably feeling that they absolutely had to defend this some way because, you know, you have to stick up for your tribe. Um, I think it was in the US, the medical experts who came out and said that actually, although lockdown was broadly good for people, protesting uh, injustice was actually good for mental health and sh- there should be an exception <laughs> made for it. I mean, you just have to laugh. I mean, the extent to which, and I don't think it's been fully appreciated yet, the extent to which the expert class, in inverted commas, pissed away their credibility during COVID has yet to be mm. fully appreciated. And it's not just, I mean, you see it in things like the TV license. You see it in things like, like you know, the, the, the public's continued stubborn resistance on the climate change stuff. You, you, people aren't buying it anymore. Um, I mean, I, I mean maybe, maybe it's a minority still who aren't buying it, but it's, it's a lot larger than it was before COVID. And I think that that's also a symptom of what we're talking about, which is lack of journalists who really call people out means that the whole thing becomes this bubble and they're not exposed enough to the growing number of people who just aren't eating or buying what they're selling Mm -hmm. in general. Um, And that actually is a nice segue on to one of the things I wanted to talk about today, which was Michal Martin coming out and saying that... um, Sinn Féin were infecting young people. Uh, was that the word? Yeah, he did. It's a, there's a new pandemic in the country. And and folks, if you're listening at home, um, symptoms of this pandemic are if, if you see young people humming like the fields of Athen Rye, you'll put on your face mask because but they may well be infected. Like, I often think about two people, much like yourself, I'm not going to uh, name, but people that I grew up with um, and that I, you know, love very dearly. And, you know, the people you grow up with as a kid, they always have a kind of a special place in your life, I think, forever. Mm-hmm. And um, these are people who, as they grew up 
and became of voting age would have voted for my dad because of you know kind of a almost familial loyalty or whatever but apart from that to this day now they'd be in their like 30s are hardcore Sinn Féin voters and like as far as I know like sometimes even maybe canvas for Sinn Féin and these people are people who I very much rate and very much think are are clever just because I don't agree with them fine whatever but like I was even insulted on their behalf that they would be that 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 Miho would talk like that about young people being infected like when without any you know it's just so patronizing and like really missing the point of why people vote and 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 also missing the point of why young people might be pissed off at what you're selling do you know what I mean and I just it's just that there's, there's an element of like like I'm not a Sinn Féin voter I don't think that comes as any kind of you know shock to anyone but I, I did I have to say when I read it I felt offended on their behalf I felt like he you know was talking about these people as if they're idiots or kind of less or something and I didn't like it and I shouldn't care less but I do a couple of weeks ago on this podcast you had a massive row with uh, William Campbell when he over the Hillary Clinton basket of deplorables comment it's the exact same thing yeah it's the exact same thing I mean and if William were here he might say well you know it was taken out of context either of them I don't know I mean but it's the same thing you're basically telling people that they're stupid that they it wasn't they, taken out of context, but no, no, I, I, no. I'm saying that I'm saying that I, 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 yeah, I'm saying that's what we. I don't believe. I know, that. I know, I know, I know. Get over it, Sarah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, the, the 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 issue here is you're telling young people that they're dumb. I mean, that's that's what it comes down to. I mean, you basically you've been infected. It means you haven't done any thinking. You've just been sort of like infected with the virus. And like we can cure you if we just make you watch like old videos of Sean Lamass on the loop. I mean, it's it, it's 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 bizarre stuff that he would use that kind of language. And you look at the country. I mean, I I actually I, I like you know people who are voting for Sinn Fein, and I I like you would never be a Sinn Fein voter. And I asked one of them, a very intelligent fellow, recently why he was doing it, and his summation summed it up for me more than anything else. He said everything is broken. He said, schools are broken. Education is an absolute mess, which it is. We can even do a full podcast on the state of, of what's going on in Irish schools at the moment with the junior cert curriculum and the lack of teachers and the disciplinary issues across the board. He said, the health service is a catastrophe. That the immigration system is a catastrophe. The housing system is a catastrophe. The government is focused on all this shite. That was his word. Um, everything is broken. Um, I, I'm voting against it. As simple as that. And this guy isn't even particularly... Like, I know this guy doesn't give a hoot about the United Ireland issue. But for Sinn Féin anyway. Well, I mean, the thing is, right, that... Uh, I think that... I don't think that everything is broken. But I think that the fact that that narrative... It, like, that he thinks that is a failure in and of itself. Do you know what I mean? Like... Well, I don't, like, think, I, I don't think everything is broken either. But I think he was on to something. I mean, I, I, and he wasn't talking, I don't think, purely about, like, the institutions of the state. I'm giving the example. Yeah. I think he was talking more about sort of, like, there's a sense that, like, the whole political system 
like we used the phrase a couple of weeks ago, there's neither head nor tail on it. I think that's what he was getting at. Like there's, there's, you know, the, all the priorities seem out of whack. I think that was more what he was getting at. And I may be trying, you know, you know who you are. Text me if I got that wrong. But that's the, the sense I was. No, but I mean, what I'm saying is that like, even if like the fact that he thinks that is a failure of of its own, if you know what I mean, like the the the, the like I don't think we live in like this terrible country that's you know the shithole that people like Paul Murphy make it out to be. I think there are big problems. You're absolutely right, but I don't think that there's this like huge like catastrophe of a country. I think that yeah, I I, I think there are some things that work, you know reasonably well i think that there's some things that we're doing okay and then if you look at certain um what's the word like you know leaderboards or whatever of of certain things we do okay internationally so i don't think everything is broken but i think that there is a and i don't mean to use it such a dramatic word but i think that it, especially amongst young people there is a kind of a despair and a narrative that is set in that like i'll never buy a house i'll never do this i'll never do that i'll never do that and and that's a failure of itself if you know what I mean that's like the, there's a you know the only thing to do is leave and you know this that, and the other that that's not entirely true but I get why people feel that way and I think that the government are failing to to by allowing that to become so embedded and unchallenged do you know what I mean Mm-hmm. And I'd be the first to talk about health and the first to talk about problems in education, the first to talk about, you know, different things that the government are doing wrong. But I, I still don't think it's that bad. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, I do get it. I get what he was saying. Um, I, I, I take all the points on board that you're making there because I think they're, they're obviously, you know, the roads are decent, right? I, I live in a small village in Tipperary where there isn't that much crime, where everything is broadly fine. You know, you can buy your food. You're not going hungry. Um, but I have the privilege of living in my own house. So, I mean, you know, I'm privileged as well. But what I'm more, what more annoys me, um, and the reason why I'm tempted to give them the two fingers at the ballot box, won't be Sinn Féin, I'll find some other appropriate two fingers to give them, um, is a sense that there's a political class in the country that blames the public for everything. That, you know, no matter what the problem is, the solution is more restrictions on the public. Uh, you're eating too much food. Uh, you're drinking too many beers. We need to nanny you with uh, with an alcohol with an alcohol pricing plan. We need to reduce. You're driving the, too fast. You're driving too fast. We need to change the speed limits. You're you're killing the world by you know heating your home. So more more fuel taxes. Every hurting people's feelings with your words. So we'll make that illegal too. We'll make that illegal too. Like over and over again, there's this sense like there is nothing that the Irish establishment see as a problem in this country more than the lives of the Irish people who they're supposed to be governing. Like everything we do is wrong to these people. Um, you're not paying your TV license. Oh well, well, we 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 revamp that. We bring in some new kind of scheme. <laughs> I like it. It is just like the sense that they despise you is pervasive. That's, that's is it? The disp- thing. Do they despise you, or do they just has the relationship? You know, like between the public and the political class broken down such such that they it's kind of contempt like you know what i mean that i don't know like i you know met my husband when i was 30 so i was single for my 20s and there was this famous book called he's just he's just not that into you and like 
I just think the the definite vibe I get from the government is that they're he's just not really that into us, all of us. You know, yeah. it's like we don't really. You're like, do you know what? It, do you know like? Do you know what it was? It was perfectly, perfectly demonstrated when Roger Gorman rolled his eyes and Ben asked him a question. It's that. Uh, it's not just about grip. It's about like, oh God, the public. You know, I'm going to be questioned on this by stupid people who don't understand that I'm morally superior to them mm-hmm. and I'm doing the greater good. And your questions are just inconvenient and annoying. And why don't you just shut up and let us do the right thing all the time like we want to? And it was That's, a very, it was a very fair question. I mean, the government. What was the question again? Yeah, this is the thing. I mean, the the eye roll sort of got the the attention, but the question was. I, I, I'm 90% sure this was the question, it, but I know what the topic was, but I'm not, I don't know what the exact wording of the question was, but basically it was to do with the application of puberty blockers to kids. There's no scientific study saying this is a good idea. And he said, have you got any? And Radical Gorman doesn't. Well, he's doing it anyway because the trans activists want him to do it. Um, and I, I think it's very important. And this is, this is the same thing with speed limits. If you're going to enact policy, there should be evidence for it. The only evidence they have on the speed limits thing is that it'll reduce emissions. So they're pretending, and they are overtly pretending that it's about saving lives, when it has nothing to do with that. And I mean, their own figures uh, hype the emissions benefits of it. It's 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 outrageous. Yeah, on both counts. Anyway, since we're a bit ranty this week, and we're all blaming Sean for being a bit ranty this week, no worries, <laughs> we're in this on show. Um, I will be world weary about one thing, though, which is that I we're in the wrong job, both of us. I mean, we should be photographers. Oh, go on. Yeah, because uh, there's there's somebody who's going to get a job now with RTE, the national broadcaster, and um, for a three year contract, um, for which they will be paid a some total of two hundred and forty thousand euros. This is all revealed, by the way, by Keenan Brennan in the Examiner. So credit. Credit where credit's due. We had a go at journalists earlier on, but in fairness to Keenan, this is a cracking story. Um, 240,000 over three years, 80 grand a year, to take 16 still photographs every week from the set of Fair City for promotional purposes. So you might have thought when that came out, there'd be a massive sort of rebellion. And indeed, uh, or she were before the Oireachtas Committee this week, and uh, Kevin Backer said it, he didn't understand how that happened. But then the executive producer of Fair City, Brigitte Corsi, she put out a statement saying, I cannot overstate the importance of high-quality, highly curated photography in promoting oh, Fair gosh. City in the busy landscape of press and digital publicity. It is, wait for this now, vital to have a skilled photographer to capture in single frames moments of drama that will intrigue our regular audience, and this is the funniest bit, Bring new viewers to Fair City. So so some village in Mayo is going to spend all of its 500 TV licenses paying a guy to take 16 still photographs every week on the set of Fair City. And what a job. I, for 50 euro, will come in and show them how to do a, a screenshot of, uh, you know, just play Fair City on your laptop and then screenshot a scene. And there you go. That might not be like, high quality. Allowed- Highly curated photography. Oh, stop. Will you? Like, (laughs) stop. Stop. Like, just stop. I mean, maybe in fairness. And also, why is it 16? Like, that doesn't, like, are we being trolled? 
You know, well, I, I like, don't know. I, I don't think the money is for the photography. I think you're getting paid 80 grand a year because you got to spend every week of the year watching Ferry City live. I mean, and the contract <laughs> is for three years because at the end of that, you're going to be in an asylum. But uh, whatever it is, I mean, are these people on the moon? I mean, this this has been issued, by the way, after the Orhee scandal, at a time when they're begging the public for money because they're going to go broke and they might have to sell Montrose and oh, isn't it terrible? And this is what they're spending money on. I mean, People have this idea that RTE can be reformed. It cannot be reformed because this stuff is in the DNA of institutions and organizations. It's in the DNA and you can't get it out. It's but like again, it comes to, down to the point of like people sat, someone signed off on that going out as a job spec. The lack of self-awareness that that went out. The people sat around and went, yeah, no, we need that. That's a good idea. Like, you know, that's a, that's, that sounds like something important. There's absolutely no way on earth that that's important. None. I mean, it just, like, to, to broaden it out a bit, like, it just sums up RTE for me. I mean, I was saying to my wife earlier on this evening, talking about this issue, that she's she's massive into her Scandi noir dramas. I absolutely hate them. You know, you know the you know the ones I'm talking about. Like they're all in like some Scandinavian language, Swedish or Danish or something. They're subtitled. Oh my god, John! Honestly, th- this is so funny. I hate those kind of things. And Keith really likes them. This is weird. I hate subtitles because, frankly, I just want well, to do. You come down to me for an hour. You come down to me for an hour of telly yeah, every night. Yeah, and I'll send her up to your yeah, house. Yeah. But yeah, in any case, yeah. they're all the same. They're all like it's all like you know some some like. It's always like an alcoholic divorced cop finds a yeah. grisly <laughs> ritual sacrifice murder of a child yeah. in the woods. While he's and, wearing an iron sweater. Yeah, yeah, those ones. But whether you like them or not, they're massively popular. And they have been produced in countries where English isn't the first language, largely by their national broadcasters. And they have become internationally successful to the extent that Scandi Noir is a kind of, it's a genre of, drama that is kind of internationally recognized. And in Ireland, we pour all this money into the orcs community and all of it into RTE. And what do they produce? I mean, there, there is, I can't think in my lifetime of, a, of an Irish drama series produced here that has gone to get massive international recognition. You could maybe make a case for the one a couple of years ago about the gangsters in Dublin. Uh, I can't remember what it was called. Love Hate. Love Hate. But that's that's about the only one. Yeah, I can't think of anything. Well, maybe the other celebrity celebrity toy show on ice or something. Yeah. I was going to say maybe the other one is that one uh, where they the book about the two kids in Trinity and there was a bit of sex in it and like everyone thought the guy was really hot or something. Oh, like normal people! I never watched it. Yeah, me neither. Um, Keith did though, and he said it was very good. Um, Paul Mescal, isn't that it? Yes, that's it. So I mean that that's it. Those are those are two. But I, I don't even I don't want to say I don't know if normal people was an RTE production. Um like it's 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 astonishing to me how little though we produce for all that money. And they're spending eighty grand on a photographer for Fair City where like no kidding. I, I because of the far right Fergal story they've been doing in a couple of weeks, I've had to watch for a couple of weeks, I had to watch a few scenes. And I genuinely think you and me could act as well as some of those people. That's not being harsh. I genuinely think we could. Oh God, I've never watched it, so I don't know. But uh, I uh, wasn't it. Isn't it the? Wasn't it this? Was it the stuff of urban legend? Or was it actually true that Father Ted was turned down by RT and went to Channel Four? That was true. Or, 
no, that's not urban that, legend. That's true. That's that, that was matter. internationally kind of take like considered, but we passed on it. Yeah, we did. It was made by Channel Four. And if you look at most of our most successful sort of TV stars, you know, very few of them got their start on Irish TV. Gabriel Byrne, I think, was on the precursor of Glen Row in the 1970s. But like most of our major international stars of TV and radio, they went overseas. Graham Norton, Terry Wogan, BBC, um, the girl who presents Love Island, whatever her name is, Laura something or other. I mean, these people, Whitmore, they go overseas. We we don't tend to produce the kind of content that gets international attention uh, in in mm-hmm. comparison to the way the Scandinavians do. Um, or but I would Germans. say, what, but 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 like, but back to the the main point, which is that they've just been embroiled in a scandal about spending money on nonsense, basically, mm-hmm. and the fact that they have the neck to you know, for this and to, to, you know, have a straight face, frankly, while they say that this is worth 80 grand a year. I mean, there are people I'm sure who listen to this podcast, but I, there are people I know, you know, who work very, very hard for half or less than that wage. And I'm sure when they see that and they're, you know, waiting for potentially waiting for a a court summons for not paying their TV license. They must think to themselves, well, you know, am I an absolute gobshite here or what, you know, what is going on? Because for RT to pay somebody 80 grand to take 16 photos and for, you know, people who are on 35 to 40 grand a year to be expected to pay two, what is the TV license? I can't even remember. I think it's like 165 euros. Right. To pay 165 euros for the privilege is obscene and no wonder people are angry and 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 i think that like that simmering resentment has not gone away just because people have had the summer you know to hopefully in their minds forget about it and we talked about this orgy thing at the time and said that what happen is that it'd be business as usual within a couple of months and everyone go oh, lessons have been learned and you know they got rid of Ryan Tuberty so something happened and you know like lessons have been learned no lessons have been learned this is the exact the exact physical manifestation of the fact that nothing has been learned yeah, and it proves the importance of the of not paying your tv license and um, for those who aren't doing it because yeah. if you if people had if people were still paying their tv license in the same numbers that they were in beforehand before the Ryan Tuberty thing or he wouldn't be in a financial hole and this story proves it would be business as usual and they're they're ha- instead they're having to trail into the Oireachtas committee and beg for money and talk about selling Montrose which of course they won't do and the funny thing about that is I'm, I'm, I'm almost convinced the talk about selling Montrose is all a little bit of a sympathy play oh no this is how desperate the situation is you need to bail us out and I think a lot of people are listening at home going yeah go on sell it if for no yeah. other reason than like it might be turned into refugee accommodation in Donnybrook, which would be amusing. <laughs> Why does your mind go to that? I just think um, it would be I, 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 you know, I know how welcoming I know how welcoming the people are of South, of South Dublin. Are. I'm sure they'd welcome the change. Uh, yeah. Okay, John. <laughs> um, anyway, I think no lessons have been learned and. I, I, is it me or are we kind of slower in coming out of silly season this year than other years? Do you find, do you feel that? Like it's nearly, it's midway through September and there's still no kind of 
I don't know. I was, in, of... I was enthralled. I mean, just this morning, I was enthralled by Virgin Media's report, um, vital news report about uh, about <laughs> me- I know what you're going to say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, 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 uh, no, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. But I actually, can I just say, if if anyone is laughing at Virgin Media for that story, um, I understand. Very, very funny. If what appears to have happened did in fact happen, and they were fooled by two lads digging a hole in the shovel, it's very, very funny. But I get it. Because I also am the, the editor of a news outlet, and I can tell you, Sarah, the last month and a half has been hell trying to find yeah. things to write about every day. Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah. there are people who want to strike with the same topics every day, and they read them every day, and that's fair enough. But like, you, you, you can't. You got to yeah. find new things to. You got. There's got to be news, and you know, it's been it's been very slim picking. Yeah. So I don't know, but like maybe there's a hope, like that the RT thing, you know, is just going to kind of drift away or whatever, but. I don't think that those I think that the people who um, the people who have committed or decided they're not paying the TV license have committed to that. I don't think that's it's going, to get, going to, it's going to get worse. It's going to get continuously worse because bear in mind what's happened is the TV license falls for renewal every like there's a, like if you basically divide the population into groups of 12. into 12 groups, I should say, rather than groups of 12. And um, there are people yeah. whose license falls due every month. And each month, I mean, the, the, the bigger the numbers get, the harder it gets to prosecute. So um, the less penalty there is for evading. And the more people each month will say, well, why should I be the mug? So it's going to continue getting worse. It's not going to get better, especially yeah. when they're, you know, 80 grand photographers are in the news. And, you know, well, it's, if, and they have, if they have the money to pay those kind of wages for that kind of job, then they don't have a money problem. Yeah, but this is the other thing. I mean, the, the, the other thing about that story, uh, and I know we're harping on about it a bit, but I think it's important to say this, is it really shows the gulf in the culture in RT and other media organizations. Like, you just, and I, I'm not defending any other media organization, but I can tell you hand on heart, if you if you raise that kind of issue in News Talk or Today FM and say, we need a photographer, we're going to pay them this much money, you'd be sacked yeah. on the spot. They don't pay some yeah. of their presenters that much money. Virgin yeah, Media, I, I think the average salary for a presenter is without outing anyone's wages, but like it's, 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 it's not in the six figures. Um, it's, 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 it's it's astonishing. Um, like the, and the same time they say, oh, we're short staffed, you know, we we've no resources. And I mean, you and I both know, because I think we've both been on, on, on both on what used to be TV three and now Virgin Media and on RTE. You go into a studio in Virgin Media to do a TV program. There's like the presenter, there's a floor manager and the cameras are automated by robots. And one guy mm-hmm. in a control room is running them. You go into RTE and there's like 70 guys standing on the floor uh, managing the thing. The, the gulf in expenditure to produce roughly the same content is astonishing. And I don't even think they're aware of it. I really don't. Mm, no, I don't uh, think so either. Well, obviously not, because they're still, I mean, it, it, it just beggars belief that there was nobody at any point who had any kind of commercial or like kind of political, say, awareness to go, yeah, maybe let's keep that job application back for a while just until the heat, you know, is gone out of this yeah. thing. No, what Make do with screenshots for a while. I don't yeah. know. I mean, yeah. also, if it's promotional, presumably, right, they're still producing the RTE guide, aren't they? Like, presumably, oh, the RTE... That's a good, that's a good R- question. I, 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 I assume they are. I mean, I, didn't, I think I would have heard if it closed down. If, if, if it did close down, then this is obviously irrelevant, but I don't think it did. But, like, Fair City is going to be promoted in, um, like, presumably the RTE guide has a photographer on staff. 
who can go and take those pictures. And presumably RT is the kind of organization where they can take those pictures. And they've got photographers on staff already. They definitely do. Well, that's so, a good I mean, point. Yeah, of course they do. It's it's just it's 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 just double jobbing everywhere you look as well. That's the other thing. <laughs> so there you are. Um, so what's we, up for the week? Well, Saturday, um, uh, you know, we are having this gathering uh, in the RDS yes. in relation to yes. free speech, um, mm-hmm. with uh, you know various massively influential speakers like some guy called John McGurk speaking at it. And then Michael Schellenberger, who is a uh, you know listeners may know who he is, but if you don't, he's a uh, he's a he's basically the guy who who brought about the Twitter file story in the U.S. He's a journalist and free speech activist. Um, he's going to talk about the importance of sort of free speech in society. I want to stress it's not about the hate speech bill; it's more about all of the sort of speech issues. From um, you know, if you're a pro-lifer, then you might be concerned about uh, the the restrictions on protest. If you're somebody who's um, like a fan of Enoch Burke, you might be concerned with his situation. If you're somebody who's interested in the hate speech bill, you might be interested in that situation. So Sharon Kilgan is mm. coming. Uh, Helen Joyce is coming from formerly of The Economist. Um, Niall Boylan. A lot of people know Niall Boylan as, a, as, as an exceptional broadcaster. He's going to be there. Um, uh, Leisha De Bruyne, who's been on this podcast from The Countess, is going to give us a speech as well. And I think we're going to have an audience of about a thousand people in the RDS on Saturday. So that should be a good event. Although I'm uh, looking forward to seeing that the protesters, once they're finished at the Let Women Speak event, may come down to give us a bit of aggro as well. Hopefully not. Hopefully they tire themselves out shouting at Posey Parker. I think the most important thing is that this event is happening at all. I love the fact that people are becoming, because it's easy to forget, but like I definitely think people are becoming braver and braver and more animated and more public about talking about some of these things in the last six months to a year. Mm-hmm. And I think that this event is real, real demonstration of that. And if people come and protest it, I mean, once again, if they come and protest it, if they go from, you know, oh, ban all turfs or whatever nonsense they go on with about that, and then they come down to this, they're just going to draw more attention to it. So they're like happy days, you know? Exactly. Like, uh, and, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, look, people have asked me in the last couple of days, are there tickets left? There unfortunately aren't. Uh, it's sold out, which is great. I'm not complaining. And if you're late, sorry, tough. Uh, it's sold out. But uh, it will be streamed live on Gripped Media's Twitter slash X channel. Um, and the recording should be available afterwards. So if you if you can't make it in person, sit at home, put on a cup of tea um, and uh, tune in for as long as you can listen to me blabbering on. But look, you've listened to me blabbering on for an hour if you're listening to this. So obviously uh, that might not be as torturous as I think it might be. Uh, <laughs> so it would be... Delighted to have you with us. Anyway, I think we'll leave it there, Sarah, for this week. Um, Okie dokie. Pleasure, as always, talking to you. I don't think we were as world-weary this week. Hopefully not. We'll go back to that next week. I'm sure there'll be something to be world-weary about. But until well, sometimes then... sometimes I, I still have to say that sometimes it's not world-weariness. It's just... It is... Sometimes I just feel like the best thing for me to do not to get really angry is sometimes to laugh. I have to laugh sometimes. You yeah, know? And I also think uh, this is just advice to anyone who's listening who maybe is feeling that we shouldn't be world weary and should be angry all the time. Anger has its place and it can be it can yeah. be stressed, but like you can't. I mean, we all have our own lives. There are things that are more important than this stuff. There is your family. There's your kids if you have them. There's your dog if you have one. There's your parents. Uh, there's your job. 
to your colleagues. There's a whole world out there beyond politics. Politics is hugely important. That's why we talk about it every week. But you, you yeah. can't let, as uh, as um, as Yoda once said, cannot let the hate flow through you all the time. Um, only when it's appropriate. Anyway. Yeah. There we go. Uh, that was another uh, edition, my friends, of the week that really was. Thank you so much for listening to us. And we will be back next week on the 21st of September to see what's happened in the interim. I'm sure it'll be fascinating. Take care.